Songe Somapete on SAFM. 20.50 is the time and we are 10 minutes behind schedule in having this conversation started. I certainly do beg your pardon for that, Mr. Mwiledzimbeki, but I mean, I'm sure you were listening to the conversation and try and find me a slot where I had to truncate it. Certainly by 10 minutes it would have been and remains yet at all order. So I'll make allowance for you too, but there clearly is a frustration from the listeners, from even the guests we had earlier on in relation to the non-performance of this administration. I'm going to ask this question. How much of this administration was dealing with legacies that it had inherited from previous administrations? For instance, social development has got a backlog, untold. Public health care has a backlog, untold. Education, especially basic education, has a backlog, untold. And then you couple all of that backlog with the impact of COVID-19 for two and a half years, three years of that proper, and whatever the recovery allows for that afterwards. Of course, the last 30 years is what we are talking about. But surely President Ramaphosa was hamstrung even from the beginning. Your thoughts? Well, uh, strong as we in South Africa, we don't have administrations where we have party governments. So I think let's. So what we have is rule by political parties, not rule like in the United States, for example, uh, by a presidential system. But having said that, political parties have consistent policies. Uh, merely because the ANC had been in power for five successful years, um, you, you know, electoral successful cycles. Successful or successive? Uh, doesn't mean that its policies will change. When a new president comes in, the policies remain ANC policies. That's why our political system works that way. So... That's what happened. It's not that when Cyril became was appointed was a, appointed by the ANC, in fact, because that's who appointed him. They told him what he must go and do when he uh, he becomes state president, and, and what he has been doing. It, it wasn't. It didn't hamstring him. He had no other powers to do anything else. He had to implement ANC policy, but which was uh, the decisions were made at the national conference. The decisions are made by the national executive conference. The decisions are made by the, by the working committee. So he wasn't hamstrung by anything. He was implementing ANC policies. But surely you can't deny that if you walk into a house and the dishes are not clean, you have to cook. You don't have electricity. The kids are hungry and need to be fed. In as much as this house has to be clean, you walk into an environment that you are hamstrung by simply because of the catch-up that you have to do before you can start painting the walls, before you can start moving the furniture. In other words, really do what you have been called to do. And I'm, I'm saying not so much to dispute what you're saying, but to make allowance for the reality that the president didn't start on a clean blank canvas that allowed him to actually implement those policies. Those policies had been failed by those who had come before him. 
No, I think you, you, you got the wrong end of the stick. Restoring full power generation for South Africa is, is not a priority of the ANC. The ANC had other priorities. You know, I, I'm sure you have seen the study by the Harvard economists who, who spent two years uh, uh, in a team led by Ricardo Hausmann they pointed out that the worst-case scenario where power failed was in Chile, but it took them only five years to restore the power. Because for Chile, full, a fully operating supply of electricity was a priority for them. It's not a priority for the ANC. Power cuts started happening when 2008 and they're still carrying on on 16 years later it's not because somebody hasn't washed the dishes it's because the supply of electricity is not a priority for the ANC the ANC has other priorities which are now what would you say are those priorities is to build a black African middle class. That's priority number one of the ANC. Electricity supply doesn't do that for them because the the African middle class don't own factories, they don't own shops, they don't own industry, they don't own farms, they're public servants. So the priority for the ANC is to build that, that African middle class through taxing the At private what sector. what expense is that the priority? I mean... Yeah, yeah that's it, a priority. At what so expense, every, though? Pardon? At what expense? I mean, you're going to be building this middle class through, I suppose, the dysfunction of ESCOM, because essentially that's what, what you're saying means. No, but the first expense is at the expense of the poor African and colored people. That's who is that expense. And the second expense is, is, is business, who, whose profits have to be taken away through the tax system to build the, the, this uh, state-employed black African middle class. Those are the, pe- the people who, who suffer out of this. Let's talk about sustainability. I mean, I don't for a second want to believe that this is what the ANC, when the ANC is alone in its room or rooms, <laughs> that this is the priority and they commit themselves through state power and state access, whatever state access might mean in this context, and pursue it along those lines. But they the, have succeeded. Well, and, the, and, and the casualties have suffered. They didn't set out to to say we're going to create casualties. They said this is the objective we're going to achieve, come rain or shine. And they have achieved a huge black African middle class in South Africa. Have they, though? During the the ANC rule on the last 30 years. When you say they've created a huge black middle class, let's assess the power of that black middle class. Let's assess the migration from one strata to the next because black middle class is a very broad class and there are classes within that. So let's assess 
the strata within which these black middle class people are living in and their conditions and whether or not their capacity to liberate, self-liberate as it were, is better now than it was five years before or 10 years before or going back 30 years before. I'm disinclined to believe that this middle class you suggest has been created is empowered. Well, it depends what you mean by empowered. They control political power in South Africa. The, the government that they control has a budget of 1.6 trillion rands. And you call those people unempowered? They're hugely empowered. Okay. The question then is, is South Africa better off in the result? Uh, now, that's a different discussion. Let's have <laughs> you, it. You say it becomes a different discussion. The ANC thinks this is the correct way to go. That was its objective, and it has achieved its objective. Now, if we say we want a different objective, for example, to uplift the poor from social grants, because, you know, the ANC considers social grant as an achievement. <laughs> Instead of job creation, they prefer to pay welfare. Okay, Mr. Mbeki, because it is near, I mean, I've got 30 seconds until the news break, and unfortunately, I simply cannot cut you here. We're going to have to roll this over, and I'll confirm how much time we roll over by. We have okay. to take the news break now. The question remains, is South Africa better off against what you have stated was the priority of the ANC governments, the growth and presence of the largest middle class it has had to date? Now, the net effect of that is South Africa's critical indicators are they in the right direction or in the wrong direction? In other words, is it a red tick? I mean, is it a green tick or a red cross? Those are the questions I'm going to ask of you, please, to engage on the other side of the news. Thanks to all of those who have participated, and I'll certainly make it a point to engage your engagements, either by way of voice note or SMS text, certainly. For now, it is 21 hours, and it is time for news with Greg Hose. On the viewpoint. Can you live where you want? Do you have access to schools that pre-94 you didn't have access to? Are you working in private capital because the state's laws have facilitated for your easier entry into spaces that were the province and preserve of a select minority group before? Do you have access to social security? Has the government provided for you a house? Have your studies at primary school, high school, as well as university been paid for? Paid for by the government. Can you speak your mind? If you have said yes to any of these things, it's because if I had asked you this question before 10 April 1994, the answer would have been a categorical and frank no. The question then I ask, are you better off? Or not? Is the country better off or not? That's apparently the million-dollar question following the conversation I had started just before the news break with Mr. Mwiletz Mbeke, who is still on the line. Perhaps you want to take a dig at some of those questions and answers and give meat and context to whether or not the answer is a yes, but, or a no with conditions attached to that. Baud Lamin, your thoughts? Okay, well, if I were a white citizen of South Africa... The answer is yes. I would have lived anywhere I liked. I would have had two cars in my garage. I would have gone to 
America for my holidays. I would be at Stellenbosch University. Uh, uh, what else were the issued questions you asked? Social security, access to food, water, shelter, housing. First, social security, first class, health care. Uh, yes, is the answer if I were a white South African. You are black. <laughs> oh, well, now you are not talking about, you're talking about a section of South Africa. You're not, you're, not, you're not talking about South Africans in general. Let's have that conversation then. I mean, are we really to say the ANC has failed and it has been a categorical failure when it inherited a backlog which many governments haven't had to deal with or haven't inherited in 1994, whereas many were liberated African countries, that is, far earlier than what South Africa's liberation came as. And the general question in broad terms, is the nation better off in post-apartheid South Africa, and how much of that owes itself to the ANC and its efforts towards that liberation? Yes, you see, the I never said the ANC failed. All I said was that people are judging the ANC, or analysts, let me not say people. Sure. Analysts are judging the ANC by what they think the ANC should do. Well, well then, they, they should go and join the ANC and get it to change its policies. In terms of what the ANC set out to do, it has succeeded. But what it has set out to do versus what it is telling me and promising me and me, I'm talking, generally speaking, to the country, and, and what as a nation we expect again, it doesn't matter what the ANC wants to do, it has a framework within which to do that, and that's the Constitution together with the policies it sells to us, which are then the basis for which it has received the mandate from the people. Against that metric, that's how the ANC should be tested. Not on what the ANC wants to do because the ANC is the one in power and therefore that's the end of the inquiry. Yes, but our constitution says that the party that wins an election first appoint, uh, elects the, the parliament. It convenes the parliament and the parliament elects the president, and obviously the majority party elects the president. So, so, and then the majority party decides on what its program is, and it's allowed by the constitution. In fact, the constitution tells it to, that it must it must do that. Now, the ANC decided, as I said before, to prioritize the creation of this black middle class and to use affirmative action policies to build up this black middle class. So that is the ANC decision. Now, has the ANC delivered or, or on that policy? Its policy. My contention is that the ANC has delivered. The fact that according to the Harvard School people and according to our own statistician generals, the poor are getting poorer while the rich are getting richer, and especially the black middle class. Well, that, that, that's the outcome of 
it's an inevitable outcome of the policy battles there. How then, against what you have said, because I'm running out of time, and I, and I do want a takeaway, as it were, against what has been the ANC's priority, against what is the ANC-led government's priority, bearing in mind I'm drawing that critical distinction of the ANC versus the state, albeit largely led and presided over by ANC political members, and the ANC-led government's obligation to South Africa, the movement upward trajectory of the critical socio-economic reforms, related development, and justice in the true sense as a final outcome and measure. Would you say South Africa is to be thankful for the ANC-led government? When I say South Africa, I'm talking the majority of South Africans who were there in 1994 or who had certain hopes in 1994, the promises that they were offered in 94, 99, 2004, 2014, 2019, and those promises largely have been met. South Africans largely are better off. South Africa's critical development indices are in the right direction. There's greater social security, social stability, and the concept of social justice redounds for most than it does not. What well, Fongezo, you are telling me what Cyril told all of us during the State of the Nation address. He said he built millions of houses and did this, that, and the other. Well, well, I, I can't argue out against what the president says he's done. Most people in the know that the poor, the, the number of people living in poverty in South Africa is big. You can't compare a democratic government to a dictatorship. When you compare a democratic government that came in in 1994, you can't compare it to a dictatorship of, of, the, national, of the National Party that came in in 1924 or 1948. Mm -hmm. you, you're not comparing no, you're, I'm apples with, with apples. I'm with you on that one. Let, so, let me ask this now you, you are trying to tell me that I must compare apples with oranges and then say, ah, oh, the apples are better. Well, there's no comparison. Before 94, we lived under the, a dictatorship. Today, we live under a democratic gov government. The priority of, of the ANC led government, as I, I keep saying, is to build a black middle class <laughs> and it at has. the expense of two primary constituencies of our, of our country, which are the poor and business. That is the expense. Now, can we say the poor, they were more poor under the National Party dictatorship, apartheid dictators, uh, and that the poor today should be happy because now they are not living under apartheid, and that actually, theoretically, they are less poor. Well, you know, the, those are philosophical issues. The reality of South Africa today is about something like 50% of the population of South Africa have less assets than they had 20 years ago. That's a serious indictment. I propose to leave it there. Thank you so much, Ndadembegi. Do you want to give me a word in response to this question? The period or the president who led us to the best time in the South African development context, who was it? 
we don't have a presidential system. There's no president who's led us anywhere. We have a party system. Okay. Which administration of the party? Which years? Which administration of the party? Which administration the of the party? The party is administered by the, by the National Executive Committee and the, and the Working Committee. It's not administered by a president. Well, thank That's you so the much ANC, anyway. Thank you very much for your the time. DA, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mwele, it's in Becky, not giving much at the end there. I tried my best nonetheless. Thank you so much, Bauzizi. Certainly do appreciate your time. Very nice talking to you, Sangas, as always. Thank you so much, Dad. I appreciate that remark. 2116, everybody. Let's take a short break.